Whew. Joe Rogan and Brett Weinstein had an absolutely fascinating conversation regarding this new dark horse, basically concept that Brett is laying out to to surpass Trump and Biden. You know, these two arbitrary people that we have available to us. You know, as Americans, this is the best we have right now is Biden and Trump, apparently. So although this is not a very politically charged podcast, it's pretty ridiculous that these are our two best options. You know, two men that are obviously both in cognitive decline, have extreme biases, and have their own list of flaws. And although they both of them have the, have their list of benefits and their list of attributes. We need a more balanced approach to things. This polarization needs to be put to an end, and that's why this dark horse, um, basically proposal Eric lays out is is or apologies Brett lays out. He also has a brother Eric Weinstein, who's a also a brilliant man, mathematician. He uh, runs Teal Capital, Peter Teal's company. Big fan of a Peter Teal. If you want to read a good book by him, Zero to One is incredible. If you're in business, as a lot of our listeners are, so. This dark horse proposal that um, Brett lays out is very, very interesting. You know, he basically says, let's do one thing. Let's draft two people, one being Andrew Yang on the left, so the Democratic side. And then on the right, let's have the general who led the, um, the bin Laden raid who's uh, everyone really respects him. He's not an extreme guy. He's experienced, he's in the military, and he has the respect of our nation. Let's, let's draft those two men. And what we'll do is have both, basically like the idea behind this is have a center left and a center right people. Andrew Yang and this general fill those two slots. Doesn't necessarily have to be them, but that's who he proposes. And I really like this proposal because it's it's more centralized. You know, the the issue is this polarization. You know, as Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner, says, try not to hold any extreme ideologies and go to bed a little bit smarter and a little wiser every day, rooting out a little piece of ignorance that you have held deep within you. And part of the issue is so many people have these extreme ideologies where they go, okay, I'm Democrat, so every Republican idea is um you know, I'm not even going to listen to because it's just dumb. That's the um, right wing or I'm right wing. Every um, democratic idea is a bad idea. Neither of these are good. You can't have this extreme of an ideology and expect to have a productive culture. So really this proposal lays out something very interesting, which is having a balanced approach to things, having a synthesis, you know, as the ancient Greek philosophers laid out, which is a natural law, is thesis, antithesis, synthesis. So Thesis being Republican in this case. So it's basically that's the formula. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. And then the synthesis becomes a new thesis. So it's an ongoing cycle of evolution. And where we found ourselves is in an area where all we start with is the thesis. We don't even acknowledge the antithesis or we just completely exclude it. Or on the opposite side, all we have is the antithesis and we just ignore the thesis. And you can plug that into whatever you want. You can plug that into... Um, let's just say gun laws and no gun laws, um, black lives matter, all lives matter, all these different things like police reform, um, keep the police, all these different things that have become uh, just polarizing topics. Another great example is uh, climate change is something that we need to act on. And then there's people like Trump that believe that climate change is not even real. And it's the same with Democrat and Republican. So the idea is having a balanced approach by having a center left and a center right um, to basically two people drafting them, so Andrew Yang and this general, and 
and having them run for president. And then every four years, when the reelection comes, they switch. So they, basically, those two people would be president and vice president. They would switch, run again for um, the for office. And I find this to be very, very powerful. That way, you have a balanced approach, and we really need it in a time like this. I mean, Brett's. Even though, you know, this might not get that much steam, I'm doing my part in talking about it. And I hope you will kind of spread this idea as well, because it's it's very interesting, centralized idea. You know, there's there's not a lot of uh, there's not really a lot of people that understand how having a balanced approach, how important it is. You know, a lot of people just surpass this idea and just go, okay, let me just have my um, extreme ideology and hold on to it. And although uh, people don't consciously say this, obviously, people don't consciously think that they're, they hold an extreme ideology, it's the subconscious that gets us every time. So people get so strongly rooted in their ideals. For example, if you grew up in a Republican family, most likely you will stay the course and keep with this Republican ideal, or you'll go the extreme opposite way and go, okay, I realize that these ideas do not align with me. Um, let me go the opposite way and just look for things that I guess you could say um, counter these Republican ideals. And that's really why um, I find Brett's Brett's proposal so interesting, but that's not the only thing that he laid out. So the other thing that he touched on that I'm very passionate about and we really talk about here in the Modern Academy, which is really reforming the education system, how corrupt, how archaic the education system has become, and focusing on academia. You know, academia is necessary, but at the same time, it is so arbitrary. My biggest issue with it is I don't understand why the cost of college is what it is. The ability and the cost to distribute information. So just as in a lecture, you know, where let's say you have 200 students, um, that's just distributing information to those students. Just as you do that, the cost of recording that lecture and having it available to not only the students, but anyone who would be interested in that lecture has gone increasingly down. I mean, you can literally do that for free once you have the equipment. You could put it on YouTube, or if you want it just available for the students, put it on a private YouTube uh, link and have it available at all times so they don't have to scramble around, worry about, um, it's, it's just archaic. You know, the fact that we don't have this access to information, putting barriers around information is never a good idea. All that does is inhibits innovation. And what we want is innovation. You know, if, if people are pushing for these reforms, if people are pushing for, um, you know, all lives matter, all equality, first you have to understand history and realize, you know, most people really only focus on the past 24 hours way more than they focused on the past um, 10,000 years. Not enough people study the past 10,000 years. That's by, why one of the reasons, you know, we're doing this Genghis Khan Mongolia series. You know, it's important to study time periods like this, like this was 1200, this was 1200. And this is so what that's 800, almost 800 years ago. And it's really interesting to put things in the modern context, because things like uh, microaggression seem so so arbitrary when people like the Khans, you know, Genghis Khan's army would literally come into your town, burn down buildings, people would hide in a church. And the Mongols wouldn't didn't even under it didn't even have context, they didn't have a reference point for what a church was or what that type of church was. So they burnt it down with the people inside of it. And when you put things in, the, in that context, in the lens of history and understand where we've, how far we've come, 
it's important to have that positive light to it. So understand that we live in the best time ever. This is the best time ever to be alive. We have all these modern technologies at our disposal, yet we see things as they are, you know, this is absolute tragedies. Although there are still tragedies in the world, it's important to put the frame of context on them as in the context of history. So that's why it's important when moving forward and realizing that academia has inhibited innovation by not allowing um, basically access to information, putting a barrier around it, making people pay $50,000 a year, getting in financial debt, non-bankruptable, the only type of debt that is non-bankruptable is so archaic. So understanding that, you know, what Brett really lays out that's so interesting is um, academia. So the its incentives are to hire people who will apply for large grants and focus on big experiments with big grants. So universities basically get 50% of grants. And what they do is they actually hire graduate students to do all the work to basically be their workload and do all the work of the universities, basically just handing out degrees left and right, handing out PhDs, just to pay them a tiny, tiny wage basically to do all the work. So what they do is have these, you know, tenured professors or these these much you know, people with lots of experience at the university who are getting paid a lot to apply for these grants to keep money flowing in these universities, even though they already, it's insane how much money they already have from students. It's really ridiculous how much money universities have. It's insane. These organizations are so bloated. And the scientific method method is one of actually the greatest tools to eliminate biases and to find what is wrong with your deeply held ideals. That's what Brett lays out um, when he talks about people kind of trying to abolish science, which makes absolutely no sense that really the scientific method at its core is the thing that helps all innovation. That's basically what I was talking about with that natural law, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. So thank you very much for listening. I'll definitely do more from this podcast. It was so brilliant. I highly recommend you listen to it. Again, it was Joe Rogan and Brett Weinstein um, from, I think it was June 18th. Apologies, big yawn. But again, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe. Until next time.